and God loves us. And, uh, you know, all of you are aware that, you know, we're getting ready to have election in our nation. And um, I believe God is quickening people's hearts to the truth of the word of God in ways that uh, maybe not everybody wants to hear. And even in the church. And uh, I, I'm not a forecaster of doom and gloom. I want you to understand this message today is not about that. But it is a sobering message. It's a message that says we have to be on top of our game as a Christian. We have to be living the life that God called us to live. And that means we have to put ourselves in a position of submission to the truth of the word of God. And sometimes, you know, that makes it more difficult because God is always trying to bring us to a new level in him. But I promise you, as we let go of things that do not belong in our life and put on the things that do belong in our life, we will have greater victory in every arena that we face. And how many of you'd like to have victory? all around hallelujah and uh, i don't believe there's anything in the world that can stop a christian from being victorious because god says that this is the victory that we have it's our faith and we overcome by that and the prayer for um for uh john Hagee's ministry i believe this was on friday which helped me uh have courage to preach what i'm preaching on today the title of the message is cheating on god everybody say cheating on god or an affair with worldliness so this is an adult message. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. The, the mature. Everybody say the mature. <laughs> now, before you close me out, let me, hear, let, let me share some things. <laughs> because that day in the park was not my favorite day either. But it, it just, you know, I hear my husband share with me the conditions of our country. And I, I hear on television myself things that are just absolutely, to me, uh, the epitome of stupidity that people can even think like they think today. And so you wonder, how did that happen? I mean, when did it become so uh, not blatant sin that now we call it truth? I mean, how did we ever get in this position? And, uh, and what is my part as the pastor of a church? And, you know, as a, a spiritual leader, we are called to tell people, forecast to people, prophetically speak to people, this is what's happening in the earth, and bring a wake-up call. Everybody say a wake-up call. A wake-up call in every arena of our lives. And I feel like we're getting very close to an election that's probably one of the most critical elections that I have faced in my lifetime. Uh, I don't know. There will probably be more, and people before me probably thought that was their most critical election. But I'm living life, and I have children behind me, and I have grandchildren behind me. And since I'm not thinking totally of myself as, as the adult that I am now, the more mature person, I'm looking ahead and saying, what is going to happen to these people as a result of this generation's decisions? And so I speak this message today. It is a message of love. Everybody say love. God is a God of love. He, he is love. And when he lets us know what's happening, it's because he loves us, not because he's trying to put us in a bad position. And so as I was, I looked at the prayer for Friday, it says, Father, today's America is bound by spiritual darkness that has produced hell on earth everywhere we turn. This has occurred because we have forsaken you for other gods. We have taken our eyes off you to lust after the things of this world and have sought and accepted the wisdom of men, which your word says is foolishness. Turn to your neighbor and say, I will not play the fool. I will not play the fool. Uh, Lord, make us a people who have, who have awakened to a new call of righteousness from American pulpits. And this is when I got brave. <laughs> 
because I thought, well, it's supposed to come from American pulpits. I'm an American. I'm in the pulpit. <laughs> Perhaps I should say something. Hallelujah. Which you ordain and move us to act according to your laws. To know your way, we must read, meditate, live out the word of God, not wavering. This has been a challenge we have not met. But we ask that you show us each day something specific to do in obedience until our lives are filled with habitual righteous living. You know, you read in the paper where somebody's in a habitual criminal. That means they've messed up so many times that regardless of how severe this mess up was, it's over. I mean, this may be the least of the things, you know, that they've done that would, would cause them to have to be incarcerated for a long period of time. But we're not looking at this little thing. We're looking at all the past things that accumulated, everybody say accumulated, have brought them to this position. And, um, and, and also yesterday, Elizabeth, uh, if you were not there, you missed a great word from God. And uh, I, I wish we had time to preach both these messages because they go together. But if you could just take a moment and think about this, say the glory, the glory. And uh, Elizabeth, if you'll come up, John made Elizabeth this little box. And uh, we talked about the glory yesterday, Elizabeth did. And it was just a tremendous message. But uh, just to give you a little demonstration of uh, uh, this, this is Elizabeth's glory box. Uh, you just tell them just briefly what you share. Well, when we accept Jesus as the Lord of our life, we take on or take in us, we become part of who he is. And that same glory, the same glory that raised Christ from the dead, the same glory that, that when it filled Solomon's temple that the people weren't able to stand, the same glory that was with Jesus is now resident within us. And we're supposed to be carriers of that glory everywhere that we go to the people around us, to the people in our homes, to the people that we come across. We're supposed to be carriers of that glory. And as we live this life, you know, when we're first saved, everything's gone. Everything's brand new. And then we make decisions whether we want to walk in what God has for us or not. And um, when we make decisions to do things the way the world does them, or we make decisions to walk in the ways of the world or do different things like, oh, you know what, really, this time I'm just going to tell them like it is and this is our last chance and da-da-da, here you go. And so then we began to put filters over our glory because we're filtering the things that we're saying through these hurts, through these pains, through these reactions, through these decisions. And we're filtering as it goes out, it's filtered by it. And as God comes in, it's filtered through it because we're not laying down, you know, as we make bad choices or as we have times where we're not doing what we're supposed to. Instead of repenting and moving on, we just say, oh, I'm fine. This is good. Don't worry about it. Or, you know, we get crosswise with people. And then we begin to continue to filter out what God says and filter through what we feel. And the glory gets dimmer and more diffused and less like him. And sometimes we even hide behind our personalities. Oh, it's just my personality. That's just the way I am. I always like to act this way. And our personalities really do a lot of damage to the glory of God. Because we make excuses because, oh, that's just the way I'm made. Don't you know? And then... Pastor Pam. 
we didn't rehearse this, but this is the thing of today that I felt God said. There was a day when the, the Ark of the Covenant, which held the presence of God, was stolen from the children of Israel. It was, it was stolen because of their disobedience. That's the only way they could lose it. But when they did, God's comment was Ichabod. They named a child Ichabod because the glory of God had been shut off completely. Shut off completely. Everybody say shut off completely. Give Elizabeth a hand. Hallelujah. Now, to hear the rest of that word, which you should be uh, drawn to hear the rest of that word, and I think I've got the wrong mic. Just a second. Um, But when when you're drawn away by sin and the lust of the world, and I say drawn away because it's not a quick thing that happens. It just happens over time. And God has begun to speak to me a word, a prophetic word, that uh, you will stand before kings and people in authority. And you need to look like, on the outside as well as the inside, a person that should stand in that place. And I want to talk to you about that today because I believe God is going to raise the church up to stand before people and make statements and make declarations, make decrees. And when we do it, we will exude the glory of God. But that's a choice we make. Everybody say, that's a choice I make. That, that's a choice I make. And as I was reading the Word of God, if you'll turn to James, you can turn to James. That's where we're going to be today. But um, we don't need to put up any scriptures yet. But you can turn there. I want to read to you first from 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> Again, this is an adult audience. Amen? An adult audience. Although if young people are listening, heads up, you need to hear this. Uh, it says in 1 Corinthians six seventeen, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Everybody say joined. Now, when we're joined to someone, we, it says to bring in contact or union with, to connect or put together. Now, <clears throat> the relationship that it talks about in the Word of God often is marriage. Everybody say marriage. And, and so there's, there's, a, there's a unifying or a committing. In, in, the, in this translation, it does say joined. In the King James, it says united. Everybody say united. United, which means made into or caused to act as a single unit. Now, when people get married, the, the, the process that takes place in the heavenlies is a joining or a uniting that nobody can see, but it is a spiritual uh, covenant. Everybody say covenant, contract, whatever you want to call it, but it is an agreement between two people and God. You say, well, I didn't know that when I got married. Well, you do today. Now, that doesn't mean you leave who you've got. You just start where you are and begin to act out on the word of God what the truth is. And that is you are in a covenant. Everybody say in a covenant. And for young people, it's very important today because we are teaching things that are not truth. They're a partial truth that have to do with sexual relations of young people. We're teaching a partial truth, but we are not preaching truth. And this is critical to what I'm going to preach today. Because if you understand God and the way he speaks of things, he speaks concerning things we can understand. He speaks in a way that he identifies his word with what goes on in the natural realm. And he takes a spiritual principle and makes it known through natural things and he teaches us that way and so when he teaches this this is what it goes on to say have you ever wondered why it says flee sexual immorality immorality you know i I know people think the greatest problem we have is when god was removed from the schools but the greatest problem i believe we have is when pornography became okay 
and because it produces a lust that caused people to to commit sexual perversion, sexual sin, fornication, which is outside of marriage, sex outside of marriage. And and you think, oh, my goodness, we're going to talk about this. Yes, we are. They teach it in school. Your young people will not be shocked. They're taught in school. But this is important that we teach truth. And the truth is that relationship causes a covenant. And God says right here, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Why? Because it joins your spirit to another person. And without God in it, that is a big problem. That is a big problem. We are witnessing today that in our nation. We are witnessing that today in our nation. It is prevalent. We are in trouble in that arena. That's why abortion has had something to hang its hat on. Because selfishness says we just take care of this now. Well, you can take care of that, but you can't take care of how that happened. Are you hearing me today? And so what has happened is through that slow working of the enemy, through pornography, through sexual immorality, through that realm, the sensual realm, that's where homosexuality comes from. That's where lesbianism comes from. It's perverted sexual relationship. That's what homosexuality means. It's not about loving another man. It's about a sexual thing. And call it what it is. It is the bottom falling out of a person's life completely. Because they're, they're, the union that we're supposed to have is with God. Everybody say with God. And then through God in a marriage between a man and a woman. That's the way God designed it to be. This is very important because it, it's, the whole world is trying to say, well, we can, we can have sex outside of marriage. Because just as so long as we make sure we don't have a baby as a result of that. And that is not teaching young people what is destroying them. What is destroying them is that relationship that they get in. And that's how it gets started. And so that's why he says, flee it. Every sin that a man does, listen to this, is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Why is that? Because he betrays that union that God intended to be for him. Are you getting this? See, if you get clear understanding and you teach the world the truth, then the world can make a decision based upon truth. When the world and young people are making a decision upon abstinence or using condoms or all those kind of things, they are not basing their decision upon truth. They are basing their decision upon selfishness. What will profit them? And that is never profitable to anybody because selfishness is the root of why people sin. And the enemy knows that. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So the bottom line of this is God made a covenant. Everybody say a covenant. In Hebrews chapter uh, 10, it says, I will make a new covenant with you. And, and I will not remember your sins anymore. And, and it goes on in chapter 8. It says, I'll be your God and you will be my people. That's more than just, hey, kids. That means you are united with the King of kings and the Lord of glory. And your temple, everybody say temple, that Elizabeth very clearly showed us is full of God. Are you getting this today? See, this is very important, very important, because that's why God calls the church adulterers and adulteresses. 
because he made a covenant with them and he said you are mine and I am yours and we are so watered down everything today that even in marriage it's come, becoming a try it method for a lot of the world it's just let's try this and see if it works well in my bible Isaac and Rebecca when when Abraham's servant brought Isaac to Rebecca remember that and Abraham said she has to come from my from my roots has to come from my family and the servant found her and it was a miraculous story of how God did it he brought Isaac into the field God did and here came Rebecca with the servant she got off the horse it says she veiled herself which was to say purity everybody say purity and she went into the tent with Isaac and it says and she became his wife now that was not a wedding ceremony that's the way that that marriage was consummated to be a union that God had made. How are you getting it? <laughs> I hope you're understanding me because this is, this is so imperative. I, I pray for the young people of America. The young people of America are not knowing what they are doing to their bodies. And they are so involved in sexual immorality. And they, they think they're just disobeying their parents. Oh, my goodness. That is far from, from what's happening. And now, as a result of that, everybody say, as a result of that, we have abortion being okay. See, no person in their right mind would kill a baby. But we have to make it okay. We have to make it something that's not real. And so what's happened is the church, the church, we don't think we're affected by it, but it's in every arena of the world. Every arena of the world. It's in the clothing. You know, people dress according to style. If you're doing that today, stop. Dress according to the will of God. Don't go by style because it will lead you in a place where really that's wanting to look like the world. How does God want you to look? If you're choosing relationships based on how you feel, then you're missing what God has. Because God bases relationships upon purity and holiness. And, and it says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? Therefore, we cannot with, walk with God if we're not in this covenant. In this covenant, God becomes our protector, our provider, our lever, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shalom. Thank you for picking that song because that's who God wants to be. But God cannot be that if we're not united with him. Now, we're united in our heart. Just like Elizabeth said, the glory's there. But every day we make choices to stay in that position where the glory of God, that means who he is, has consumed everything that we are. That means you don't have to worry about what you wear or what you eat or where you go. That's take no thought for your life. That's all those things. That's what the glory brings when we let it be through us. But in James, and I just happen to be in my Bible reading, and it says in James 4, Why do wars and fights come among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? Pleasure, you have to ask God what that is in your life. And, and I like this prayer that Brother uh, Hagee gave us. Every day, ask God what's one obedient thing we could do. <laughs> For God, I'm telling you, I'm sure he'll show up and give you an answer to that. Amen. But it says, you have pleasure that warn your members. In 2 Timothy, it says that will be our demise. That in perilous times when they come, it will be because, because we love pleasure. And pleasure is simply doing what we want. You lust and do not have. You murder, covet, and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And when you do ask, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. Everybody say amiss. To spend it on your pleasures. This is not about your, your praying and asking God for the needs that you have because God wants us to have our needs met. God, God spoke to me recently and said, you will stand before kings 
your inside's all right, but you need to make sure your outside is something that can be received in high places. Everybody say high places. When I was in Word Explosion, Mrs. Huff got up and spoke. She was uh, Matt's math teacher in high school, and I always ducked because Matt tormented her so bad she cried one day in class. So I don't want her to recognize me as his mother. And thank God we have different last names. But anyway, I was watching her, and she was just a school teacher. Today, she meets in Washington, D.C. with ambassadors from around the world. And she said, when God said to Paul, show him the things that he must suffer, he will stand before Kings, Gentiles, kings, and the people of Israel. And I've read now in the Bible all the prophets. I mean, Hosea went through a horrible time because he had to show Israel God's love for his people. And you know how he did that? He had to marry an adulterous woman. I mean, God told him to. Can you believe that? He told him to. I mean, that's just setting you up for trouble. But God did it because he wanted to show Israel how much he loved him. This message is love today. God is saying, you covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask, do not receive because you ask amiss that you might spend it on your pleasure. Adulterers and adulteresses. Those are pretty strong words. Now, I've read through the Bible lots of years, and that's the first time that stood out to me. (laughs) But it was like, oh, don't let me, you know, I'm not that. Because when I think of that, I think of the sexual connotation of that, of people going out on their mates. But in God's sight, it's anything that we do that is friendship with the world. Everybody say friendship with the world. So that's something you have to ask yourself. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to make a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, that's how God explains adulterers and adulteresses in the church. This is not written to the world. This is written to the church. I love the part over here. It says in James 4.13, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we'll go to do such and such a city and we'll spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills. Everybody say, If the Lord wills. That's, it, that's allowing the glory to show. That's allowing the glory to be at full steam ahead. If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Now, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it's sin. Now, I know this isn't the best chapter. You might want to rip these pages out. But if you study Hosea and you study God's heart through a prophet... That he was trying to win back Israel. He was trying to win them back. And my Bible says that Hosea was called upon to show the love of God. Now, that is a pretty different understanding of that scripture. You know, if you don't have that understanding going in, you might think, wow, this guy really had a bad life. But continually, his wife ran around on him in all kinds of relationships. And and the, the word was, put a hedge around her so she can't find any pleasure in her enemy, in her in her lover's which were really the enemies of her soul because those things were enemies to her life. And so God in his mercy was trying to stop what was happening in her life. Here it says, a clear characteristic of having an affair with worldliness is making plans without consulting God. That simple of a thing, making plans without consulting God. It talks about it in Isaiah 30. That's that scripture God chased me down with. 
that says, you know, you go and you make plans and you consult others and not me. The world is consulting the world. And if the blind leads the blind, they all go in the ditch. You know, there are things being said in our nation that are absolutely false. They are false, and the people speaking them believe their truth. How did they ever get there? Because they played the harlot with the world so long. Because many of them say, yes, I'm a Christian. I'm telling you, these people that are standing in office say, I'm a Christian. Look at their works. Look at their choices. Look at their decisions. We have voter records back here. It's for everybody. We're not trying to promote any party. Look at what they do. Look at how they act. That says if they're in an affair with the world instead of in love with God. And that's basically what Hosea said. I want to read to you just a couple of scriptures from there. That Hosea, it, in my Bible, it says the problem was how to get this message of God's love to the people not inclined to listen. Now, I would never think to tell Pastor Bill to go marry a harlot so we could show the church or start playing the harlot. That would be, well, it would be have to be him. I'm not doing it. But I'm just telling you, and neither will he. But it would be like God telling us in the church to go do this so I can show the world my love. This is a message they didn't want to hear. That's what he says. They don't want to listen to me, so this is how I'm going to cause them to listen. I'm going to show your suffering, Hosea, for the love of your wife. I'm going to show your suffering so the people will understand how I suffer when they do what I ask them not to do. That's the bottom line. Well, I, I would a lot rather God would warn me than take and put me in that place of Ichabod. Or have me in a nation that God has departed with his glory and said enough. I'm believing for mercy. Everybody say mercy. We sang about it today, mercy. But this is what he said. God said, everybody say God said, go take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry for the land has committed great harlotry. That is spiritual adultery. It is possible to commit spiritual adultery. That's when you have an affair on God or you cheat on the Lord. I said, Lord, could we find a better message? I tried. That's why it has two titles. I was ready to just call it commitment. I thought somebody will buy it, maybe. But I thought commitment they'll never buy because nobody wants to be committed anymore. So I tried cheating on God because I thought everybody will want to know what that is. And so hopefully this would be the kind of title that would draw people. You know, Joyce Meyer said she never really says in her title what she wants to preach if she wants to to really uh, teach people things that they don't want to hear. She finds a title that they'll like, so they buy it, and then they hear it. Well, this was God's message like Joyce Meyer. Here was his message, go marry harlot. And then it says, my people perish. Everybody say, my people perish. It says, my people, in, in Isaiah 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you've rejected knowledge, rejected knowledge I also reject you from being priest. Now, this is the priest. This is the person who's in the pulpit. This is the person who doesn't see anything wrong with what's going on or does not proclaim what's going wrong and, and doesn't say what's going wrong. Every voice that has an evil motivation today is trying to shut up truth. And they're saying it's a fear message. They're preaching fear. Well, yes, we are. We're preaching the fear of God himself. But they don't like it. Why? Because they, they can't stand the light in the darkness. And I'm not saying that that guy, what's that guy, the spin guy, uh, Bill O'Reilly, is, is, is the right person. But he went on a television show the other, the other day, The View, The View, and they have all women telling The View. I'm telling you, right there is a problem. And I'm a woman. 
But right there, hormonal, I mean, it could be a disaster. You get that view without any balance? I mean, that's, that can be... And a man walked on there. And two women marched out. Whoopi Goldberg and another lady. Because he spoke truth. And I'm not going to get into it today, but he did speak truth. And they didn't like it. And when truth meets darkness and darkness can't win, it leaves. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will... I'm not saying they're the devil. But I'm saying that when it's untruth... And truth stands up, darkness has to go. Because that light that Elizabeth had on, when it's going full steam ahead, like my daughter says, you'll see spots for days. And a few of them would do better to see spots than see what they see and speak what they speak. Because people who have voiced this, I am a Christian, and then are doing things and saying things and making laws that are not Christian. Christian means Christ-like. That's the Messiah. That is the deliverer. That is the rescuer of people, not the God who puts people in bondage. And we have a major problem in the church. It's going to start with us because it goes on in Hosea. Finally, in, uh, in the last of Hosea, God is still trying to win him. Oh, Israel, return to the Lord. Everybody say return to the Lord. You know, Daniel was a person. When he got into bondage, he got taken into captivity in Babylon. I mean, God put him there because of their their disobedience but Daniel in that place made a decision to prosper and I'm telling you in the land we're living in today in all the disobedience we can be obedient to God and we can speak it and we can stand for it Daniel was an example it said he purposed in his heart everybody say purposed in his heart he purposed in his heart and Shadrach Meshach and Abednego I love that story they said listen O king I mean, if, if, we, if we perish, we perish in this fire. But I'm telling you, we will not bow to another king. In other words, we're committed to God. We will not commit world affair with worldliness. I will not commit adultery with God, uh, on God. I will not do it. I will stand. And I want to tell you, I love that part where it says, well, there, we threw in three, but there's four. <laughs> Who's the fourth? God himself standing in that fire. I tell you, there's no sermon like the one that Oral Roberts preached on the fourth man in the furnace. I mean, that, that is where we are today, church. There is a fourth man in your furnace. I say that to you. There is a fourth man in your furnace. It is the glory of God that is hidden on the inside of you that causes you to have greater dominion than all the darkness that the world is sending forth. And this is where the message has to go. It's right now, it's all about issues. And, and, and thank God for, for what people are trying to do with righteousness and, and, and trying to bring people to an understanding. But the way people understanding is where there's the conviction of God. And that is the Holy Spirit. Everybody say Holy Spirit. And we can go on TV and we can tell people how wrong they are. It, it ultimately becomes a verbal fight. As the spiritual leader, I am praying for people to have spiritual understanding. The eyes of their understanding be enlightened, it says in Ephesians chapter 1, to what is the truth. And the truth, the people are giving them the issues, but the truth is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so as the church, our part is to win people to Jesus. Our part is to let our glory so shine that men will see our good works and honor God. They'll come to the, to the saving knowledge of Christ. So it says in James, if you go back into James, James chapter 4, it says 
uh, that in verse 5 and 6 and this is this is jealousy that's god's jealousy this isn't this is a, a a passionate commitment my bible says that's one of the definitions of jealousy and god is a jealous god he is not a god that's going to share his people with other people and so he's going to call his church to repentance he's going to call his church to be this holy bride that he's he's ordained for him to be because my bible says we're going up without spot or wrinkles so he's going to have to get out a pretty heavy duty iron here pretty soon to put it on hot hallelujah and get these wrinkles out with a little spray in there to you know a little steam to get us going it says or do you think that the scripture says in vain the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously for he gives more grace therefore he says god resists the proud but gives grace to the humble that is not somebody who thinks they're a worm that is someone who walks with the glory of God. And when you walk with the glory of God, you walk upright. It is not a prideful thing. It is a powerful thing. It has nothing to do with arrogance. Nobody's going to perceive it as arrogance. The enemy is going to resist you like those two women that ran out of that, that television show. And I just use that as an example because that is a perfect example of light meeting darkness. I don't care who was speaking. People who did not believe truth and people who did believe truth, the truth spoke and the evil fled. And it goes on in the next verse and it says, submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. I want to give you a new revelation of submission today. Everybody say new revelation. When, when we submit, the Bible says that when we submit, it is to stand under or to be in subordination. Now, you know, we're not like, yes, sir, to God. We are united with him as a lover of our soul. Okay, can you see this? I mean, it's, a, it's, it's, you know, it's people who love one another. I love Pastor Bill. He loves me. We stand united. But I stand in submission to his spiritual leadership in our house. When I stand in the pulpit, I stand as a spiritual leader, and there's neither male nor female. It's, it's, it, it's a spiritual leadership. But I stand under his authority even in this church because he is still the head of this church in the trustee level of this church. He is the president of this corporation. That says he signs on the dotted line for whatever goes on here. So I'm in submission or subordination. Submission is not an evil word. It is a place of protection and authority. Everybody say authority. When you stand united with God, you stand in a position of authority. Christ is the head of the church. He is the bridegroom. We are the bride, it says, sometimes says in Scripture. And I know people have taken that and done all these things with it. But I'm telling you, it's this simple. He's in charge, not us. But because he's in charge, we are in charge also. We cannot usurp his authority, which would be an affair or cheating on God. But as long as we walk in that position, this is what it means to resist. To resist means to withstand. So when you stand under, you are able to withstand. Are you getting this? If you're not standing under, you cannot withstand. There are copies of this message back there you can get after service. But I wanted everybody's attention, so I didn't put it out today. It says in Ephesians 6, that we are to withstand, everybody say withstand, withstand every work of the enemy. It says that our fight is not with people, it's with powers and principalities that exalt themselves against God. I tell you today, the things that you are looking at that you think are going to stop your spiritual uh, 
maturity, your spiritual victory have nothing to do with it. It has to do with your personal life. Totally. There's nowhere in scripture that man has ever been able to stand against God. When you study the word of God, only when man disobeyed God was anything able to overcome that person. And so that's a spiritual truth. This nation today can stand and be everything it's called to be if we stand in position and we vote Bible. Your house will stand and it will be built upon the rock of revelation of who Jesus Christ is. When you understand that, you are in submission. That's what it means, that he is the rock. He is the foundation. That means he's the head. He is the chief cornerstone. He is in charge. And when we stand in subordination to that, then we can withstand, everybody say withstand, powers and principalities, which are our enemy. What is happening in this nation? Nancy Pelosi is not an enemy. Her words are enemies of the truth. But her she is a person God created, and God wants her saved. Pastor Sharon Doherty prayed with her when she went to speak at that time and pray. And, and I, believe, I believe with all my heart it's God's intention that nobody get left out of heaven. He is waiting on us, not us waiting on him. Because he's so merciful, and he is so loving. And even when his church is doing wrong, he will come after her. He will come after her to rescue her and pull her out of that. So when, when we say today the church is, you know, in adultery, they're making mistakes, there's no reason for the church to ever depart from God or ever look for something better. I heard the other day somebody said, if the grass is greener on the other side, get a hose and water your yard. Amen. Well, I'm trying to water your yard today. Because the grass is not greener on the other side. Nothing the world has to offer is better than what God has to offer. And I'm telling you, we are at a crossroads of leaving selfishness and going after God 100%. That's the bottom line. Leaving what we like, leaving what we like to do and saying, God, is it all right if I do this? And it may be something wonderful, but he says, not today. Or he says, no, don't go do that. Or he says, take all your money and put it here. And you say, but that was, my, that was my little nest egg. He said, well, you give that to me because he's the head. And when we give it to him, we have resisted the devil. Everybody say, resist the devil. And then we have made a way where there was no way. We have made it happen. We have caused it to come into our life. We bring into our life through that glory that's on the inside, through the anointing of God, all the things that we have need of. Or we cheat on God and we reject it, and then we can't say, well, why didn't God do that? Because there's something else God wants us to know. I have learned in all my years, 30-some years of being saved now, the problem is me. If there's a problem, I'd like to blame it on Pastor Bill. I've occasionally wanted to blame it on my children or my grandchildren, but the problem is me. Me. And I got a little offended at the sitter that was taking care of my granddaughter because uh, she had to go into the safe place. And, uh, you know, she's only 18 months. How can she know that when you call her name, she's not supposed to scream and run around the room? Because that's what she does at home. When those boys call her name, she starts running for her life. And she screams because they know she knows she's going to be attacked by those boys and wrestled down to the floor. So when they call her name at daycare, she goes ah! and starts running. And she has to go to the safe place. 
And God said, leave it alone. I'm training her. You prayed. I'm training her. And there's nothing wrong with training a child and disciplining a child. Because the other day when I went to get her, she was in line to get her hands washed. And she saw me. And she started smiling. And she started to run for me. And I heard somebody say, Molly. And she stepped back in line. And she waved at me. She didn't move. And God said, that is a good thing. Because when you say stop, she's learning to stop. When you say go, she's learning to go. And a child can learn from the discipline of a person, just like we learn from the discipline of the Lord. You say, well, what if I'm in adultery? Well, the good news is God forgives. I love the story of the woman caught in adultery. I don't know why it's always a woman. You know, I'm going to ask God when I get there. Every scripture is about a woman doing something wrong. I don't know why that is. Hallelujah. Like I said again, we don't want the view being all women. Obviously, that's not the right view. But, you know, in this story in Matthew, it, uh, you know, because men do commit adultery. You know, adultery, it, the way we're talking of it today with worldliness, is just somebody. I mean, there's many people. Men and women in adulterous relationships, and they call it just somebody to talk to. Now, I'm not going to go down that road so you can all breathe. Hallelujah. But that, you know, there's, it's anything that wins your heart over God. Anything. Anything that wins your heart over God. And when, that get, when you get in that place, that's called adultery. i got to find that. That's in John 8. John 8. If you'll, can you put up that scripture, Sandy? John 8, 3. And this is what it says. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. In the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded that such should be stoned. But what do you say? See, they're testing him to see if he'll agree with Moses. But, you know, Jesus came to give a better covenant. Everybody say a better covenant. This is a, this is a wonderful covenant we have. Because we don't suffer those consequences that the people of the old covenant. Today, there's hope in any message that's preached for us because of Jesus. There's hope because of the mercy of God and the forgiveness of God. There's hope for this nation. But I don't believe it's going to be political. I believe the hope is in Christ. I believe the hope of the world is in people receiving Jesus. Because when you receive Jesus, something on the inside of you begins to say, don't do that. Now, I think we all have a little barometer, you know, called conscience. But I'm telling you, the gift of the Holy Spirit inside of us, speaking to us, don't go there, gives us the courage and the ability to not go there. And that's what's lacking in the world. And so it says here, they tested him that he might have, they might have something to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. And when they asked him, he raised himself up and said, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. I believe God's saying that today. There's nobody here, none of us that haven't cheated on God a little bit. You know, I mean, if you really get down to what does that mean? But God loves us today. And all he's saying is like when he sent Hosea, listen, you're perishing for lack of knowledge. It says, so righteousness. That's what he finally says. So righteousness in, in the book of Hosea. So he stoops down, being convicted by their conscience, those who heard it, One by one left, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. 
And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. See, that was the very beginning of the prayer that we heard today from Pastor John Hagee. The world is walking in darkness. Well, the world walks in darkness. But when the church walks in darkness, then there's big trouble. But have the light of life. Would you stand with me? We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.